No, he thinks he can take it on though too. It just makes me laugh. One of my one of my really good friends, she's like, she's hilarious. I doubt she's gonna listen to this, but now I'm gonna make her because she uh, always says she can kill a mountain lion with her bare hands, like if she had to. And I'm like, girl, the lion's literally like, it's just gonna look at you and it will it will tear you apart. And she's like, no, no, no. Like I might die, but I I think I could save it off. Like if I needed to save us, like while we're out hiking or something. I was like, no, this is a why I don't hike, <laughs> and b no, like. <laughs> Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but prefer the classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the final girl. guys welcome to horror Horror movie Movie survival survival guide (laughs) (laughs) it was a little janky but that's okay we're gonna keep going (laughs) i'll take it i'm terry i'm julia uh and this week we're talking about 1983's cujo yes nope nothing wrong here (laughs) that's the title of this episode (laughs) uh the tagline is now there's a new name for terror yeah Okay. Uh, it was made for $5 million and it made $21 million. Yep. It was uh, written by Don Carlos Dunaway and Lauren Courier, based, of course, on Stephen King's novel and directed by Louis Teague, who also does Cat's Eye. So he has a, a double king to his title. Um, king. It feels like playing checkers or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this will be the first uh, in a round of Stephen King films that we're going to be discussing because I can't help myself. I need more. Julia and- can't stop, won't stop. Like at no. any given time, Stephen King book in hand, in purse, in life. Um, yeah, there's one and- in my car. There's one near my bed. There's one yeah. in my kitchen. Like there's just there. It's a whole lifestyle, guys. And um, surprisingly, three out of the four of these films that we're going to be watching in this cycle, I have not seen. What? So everything. No, and like, and Cujo, Cujo, I haven't seen. This is my first time watching Cujo. What? Yeah. I am shocked right now. I I feel like because this is such a classic. Even I feel like this is one that even like non horror people are very familiar with. I feel like because it's just been around and it's like shorthand now. Like they said, the new mm-hmm. name in terror. I was like it literally became the new name in terror. Like it's just yeah, short just for bad like, dog now. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, Oh, the dog's a Cujo. And people are like, Oh, okay. And you got You're it clear. Yeah. You don't want to be near that dog. <laughs> um, so this uh, movie takes place in uh, castle rock, which is the city or town that a lot of Stephen King's places, uh, movies take place in books take place in. This is, there's uh, an element to this film that's cut out, which is a kind of uh, deep cut for the Stephen King fans um, in Dead Zone, which we've also covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a serial killer named Frank Dodd, who in the in Cujo, the book, is maybe also possessing Cujo. Like Cujo has rabies, but is also maybe possessed by a serial killer. So, so that sounds weird coming out of my mouth. It, it's a little no, strange. it doesn't. It's it's strange, but it, I mean, it's not like un like un Stephen King like though. Like there's sure. always some like weird freaking you know thing possessing a thing or whatever too. So yes. so to Cujo's like, like, 
double evil in the in the book, I guess. Right, um, but I, we um, don't need it in the movie. I think he already got a good yeah, layer yeah. Of, of terror. <laughs> something, something else that's really cool uh, in the in the novel is that you get Cujo's perspective. So you actually get to hear what oh. he's thinking as well during all of this and like his thoughts getting more and more ragged and stuff. That would be curious to see. Cause that is one of the things you're just like, Oh, like he doesn't know what happened to him. And then like all of a sudden he's like, can't control himself and yeah. oh, poor puppy. <laughs> yeah. You feel poor bad. Beethoven. I feel like Beethoven was redemption for Cujo. Is that like how that movie came about later? Cause they were like, St. Bernard's are actually really sweet. Like, can we please like do some counter programming? Cause now people are afraid of them, even though they're like these sweet rescue dogs. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> if like the sales of St. Bernard went down after <laughs> Cujo. I bet. I feel like they went way up, like stupid up after Beethoven for sure. But I bet Cujo had the opposite effect. So they were like, all the breeders for St. Bernard's were like, we need a new movie. (laughs) (laughs) A nice one. The St. Bernard Breeders Association of the World got together and made Beethoven. That is our theory now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, As always, uh, we should mention we are very spoiler heavy. So if you haven't seen this film, I would highly recommend watching it before listening to it. Because we're going to spoil everything for you. Uh, So this movie starts... uh, on Cujo, and we get some Cujo cam. I always love like animal POV cam. from dogs. It's so yeah. cute. Uh, and he is chasing a bunny into uh, through a forest, and he, and the bunny goes into a cave. Uh, Cujo sticks his head in there and gets bit by a bat. So it w- was an innocent chase for yeah, a dog. Just chase a bunny, the most sweet little thing. Is it going to have a domino effect of disaster in this film? Uh, so then we meet uh, Tad, who is da- uh, Danny Pintaro, who we all know and love from Who's the Boss, uh, his, the his first role. little Danny Pintaro. Like, I just wanted to scoop him up. I saw his little eyes and I was like, oh my God, no way. He is adorable. And it's you know something bad is going to happen later. And it's just terrifying knowing and seeing his cute little face, knowing it's probably going to be bad for this baby later. Yeah. Uh, so his mom is played by the infamous and amazing uh, D. Wallace, uh, who is not D. Wallace Stone yet, but will be shortly. But we will call her D. Wallace Stone because that's what she is now, who is, of course, uh, you know, we love her from The Howling and E.T. and so many amazing things. Uh, and Iconic also- 80s mom. She like- is. She is. <laughs> uh, so she plays Donna uh, and Daniel Hugh Kelly plays Vic there, uh, Tad's parents. Tad's having uh, night. He says there's a monster in his closet. Of course, his parents don't believe that there's a monster in his closet and they look and there's nothing there. But to him, you know, it's that little boy, it's that little kid thing in the horror movies where like the little kid insists. And the parents are like, no, no, no. And he's like, no, but really not going to believe like there's something going on around here. And I, it's like foreboding. I think, you know, a little foreshadowing of like the kid, I think it's also like shorthand, like the kid understands that there's something wrong with the parents' marriage probably too. And you feel something's off. And I feel like, you know, you project these monsters and it's like the manifestation of this marriage, like on the brink of falling apart. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, Donna is having an affair, uh, with Steve Kemp, who is the handyman, the town bow hunk. He's just coming around and uh, all the, those lonely housewives. Servicing those needs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's uh, that point, which is not a good thing, uh, which is a strain on the marriage. Also, there's been uh, – so Vic is a PR guy for uh, – and he has a, P, a serial account. Yeah, he's an with, ad man. He's an ad man. <laughs> like a madman. He's an ad man for, yeah, for cereal. For sharp and- cereal. 
which just ugh, looks looks like all the 80s breakfast cereals and Saturday morning cartoon like advertisements just all yeah, in one. Completely. So there's been a problem. Uh, Red Raspberry Zingers is their new cereal. And there has been a panic because the red food coloring has made children sick and they are uh, puking what they look, what looks like blood because it's red and all the parents are freaking out taking yeah. them to the ER. And, uh, so the cereal is bombing and now they have to come up with an idea to like save the day. Well, the thing is the reason that's partly it's bombing too. They did that thing where they position themselves like we have a health expert selling you this thing. And so they made this guy that's character, the professor as the, um, figurehead for it. So the professor is selling you, oh uh, yeah, it's just, it's great for you. It's tastes great. And, and it won't hurt you at all kind of thing. And so when, and you'd sell it like that and you and position it, yourself as, as a health expert and everybody's peeing and puking red, uh, it's not going to look so good. Right. Cause the professor's tagline is nope, nothing wrong here. And you're like, Ooh, what are you going to do with that? Um, so he has to jet off to try to fix this, in t- this incredible situation. Uh, but both Donna, both Donna's car and Vic's car have been having problems. So, uh, Vic ends up taking his car in to see, uh, Joe Camber, who is the local mechanic who is just doing stuff out of his house. Well, yeah, he's supposed to be, well, actually what it was first is he goes to a body shop first and, and like, like, he gets no help, but the, the mailman's like, no, around this town, that's not the person you need to go to. Cause that guy actually isn't that great. You need to go out to Joe. Cause Joe will give you a fair price and actually get it done. So he's like, Oh, thanks for the suggestion, man. Perfect. Dun, dun, dun. Little mailman does not know he's setting this guy's family up for disaster. No. Um, and I got to mention that, um, Vic is driving a freaking Jaguar, like this cute little convertible hot, like, you know, cherry bomb red. And he's got his wife driving the quintessential 1983 car, the, uh, Pinto, the Ford yeah. Pinto. Um, yeah, so little, little disparity there between the cars. Yeah. And a car that we know, uh, from hindsight in history has been riddled, riddled with problems. And so, you know, this car probably is always acting up and is always giving problems. And Jag also too has had some issues out here and there, depending on, on the iteration of the car. So I just, want- setting that up. <laughs> and I, wonder, I wonder also, did Pinto sales also go down after this film? Hands how down. Power, how much power does it have? Hands um, down. <laughs> you wanted to point out the uh, Jaguar. I wanted to point out the lunchbox uh, that Tad has. Because yes. it's, a, it's a pack around lunchbox that I own because I have a lunchbox collection. So I was like, cool, I have that one. <laughs> oh, you have the Cujo lunchbox. Look at you. <laughs> exciting. Uh, so they, there's, uh, so they go to, so Joe's wife, Charity. Uh, so they own, they're Cujo's owners. They have a little boy, Brett. And um, Charity, there is, so in the book, there's a lot of Charity and Joe. Joe's very abusive to her and like never leaves that, that lets her leave any and never lets her out of the site. And she's kind of like a slave. She you went that kind uh, of right away. I mean, you, they pull up and she's, um, she's skinning a chicken in the yard and like plucking its feathers and getting it ready, preparing a, a fresh chicken. So it's like, they don't even go to the store. These people, it looks like they looks like they live off the land and are like, kind of like homesteader types, like out in the middle of nowheresville, seven miles out of the actual like town center. Uh, but charity, uh, just t- tells him that she won the lottery. She just won five, mil- five, not million, not five million, five thousand. Let's be real, folks. Sorry, five thousand yep. dollars. Uh, and so she, like her, her deal is she buys him in a dry hydraulic engine hoist, but she wants to take Brett to go see her sister, and that's the the the, the compromise that they make. So that's going to happen. But uh, Joe, behind her back, is like, well, if she's going to go out of town, 
then I'll go out of town. I'll just go out with my buddy here, my buddy Gary, and we'll go like fish and maybe like honky tonk it up with some ladies and go crazy, get some hookers, hang out. (laughs) It's 1983, you know, have some fun. Um, But before they, uh, before they go, Brett notices, the little boy notices that something's wrong with Cujo, that he's not acting right and he's not approaching him and he's being real funny and growled at him. Yeah, they have a crazy scene where he goes in the morning, like before they go on their little trip here with his mom and Brett's like sees Cujo like in the mists by like these like weeping willow trees. It's very beautifully cinematic. And I was like, oh no. And Cujo gives this like very withering stare as he turns back and looks at him like, oh, and you're like, oh. That's not the dog that was at the beginning of the movie when we saw a sweet, like, bunny chasing, sweet little puppy of a St. Bernard. He is already changing. Okay, yeah, because and several people have mentioned, like, you know, he's a very sweet dog, wouldn't harm a fly, you know, very, very kind. But so Brett tells his mom, like, I think something's wrong with Tujo. And she's like, don't tell your dad. Because if you tell no. your dad, yeah, it's going to be an excuse. And then he's not going to let us go. So, like, so we we'll have- call him about it later on tonight. Don't worry. When we get to my sister's, we'll just give him a little ring-a-ding-ding. Mm-hmm. But they don't know time is already running out. <laughs> no, they don't. Uh, because uh, already uh, Cujo's, uh, we get our first Cujo attack. Uh, we with uh, Gary, who is their neighbor, who is the like, because it's, it's there's one thing to be homesteading with your family. It's another thing to be like hermit in a shack that you don't give a shit about. That's just a fucking mess because you've been a bachelor your whole life and like never cleaned a day in your life. And just has a trash heap on the side of his house. Like he just yeah. doesn't even go far. It's like literally off the porch, dump into the trash heap. And there you go. And so the dog comes by and sees him out by the trash heap and is like, uh, why are you throwing your trash? And I was like, is this like an anti like <laughs> um, uh, litter campaign? No, um, it's it's crazy. So uh, Cujo ends up attacking Gary and they have this kind of battle. And I love because Gary's at the, the who he is in this movie. And like, you can tell the kind of guy that he is where he's just like, come on, I don't give a shit. And you're like, he doesn't give a shit, man. Like if he's going to die, whatever. Like he doesn't oh, he care. He can take it on though too. It just makes me laugh. One of my, one of my really good friends, she's like, she's hilarious. I doubt she's going to listen to this, but now I'm going to make her because she uh, always says she can kill a mountain lion with her bare hands. Like if she had to, and no. I'm like, girl, the lion's literally like, it's just going to look at you and it will, it will tear you apart. And she's like, no, no, no. Like I might die, but I, I think I could save it off. Like if I needed to save us, like while we're out hiking or something, I was like, no, this is a, why I don't hike <laughs> and B no, like, <laughs> but I feel like Gary's like got that same kind of like, no, I can just do this. I can take it on. It's fine. I'll, I'll win. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is a no. beast. You're going to get your throat ripped out. Real gory. Uh-huh. Real nice. So when you come into your friend and you're dealing with your friend and you walk in and okay. the scariest thing I think is that, um, besides obviously finding your friend with the throat ripped out, disgusting, yeah. um, is th- realizing that the thing that did it is probably right around the corner still. And that realization in his eyes when he's like, Oh wait, whatever did yes. this is still here and freaks the fuck out. That is probably my fit. One of my favorite moments in the movie. I was just like, that's real. I agree. Ed Lauder's performance is incredible. And just to have to be able to read that on his face is that realization is so great. So he comes around the corner uh, and the Cujo's just like suddenly there. And so he takes out, he takes them out so quick. It's like, but he tries to fight. He's in the kitchen. He flips the table in front of him. Like he doesn't just like lay down. Like he really does try to like get out of the way and it has a nice little chase into the kitchen. But this house is so messy and such a like hot mess that it's hard to get through it. 
it. So I don't think he had a, like, have, you don't have a clear way out of this, out of this junk pile that this guy lives so in. We would say horror movie survival guide tip, uh, keep your house clean. Because, don't be a hoarder, uh, basically like don't this be a dude. Because <laughs> then you're not going to be able to get out when the dog comes to, uh, to come to get you. Yep. So, uh, so Joe, so Donna, of course, does not know that Joe is dead uh, and wants to take her car out to get fixed. Uh, Pinto's on its last legs and just barely makes it there, and the car dies. It's like pulls up to the place. But this, the reason she has to do it herself, though, and she also takes her child, is because her she'd been asking her husband, who they are out on the outs, to go do it for her. But at this point, they've decided to split. So they or take a little break. He's going on like a business trip to kind of like proof of concept that he could not be in the home with her anymore. Um, he's already kind of confronted her and he knows that some, something's going down. He's feeling really upset about it. Um, he has an inkling that there might be an affair, but he doesn't have confirmation quite yet, but he sends her away. Is like, Hey, you um, actually know he did. He just found out that she had an affair. Um, that's when he finally leaves. And so he basically uses her to her own devices and he's not trying to help her anymore. Um, which but is he's just also doing a bad that move. Husband thing of like, Oh yeah, I'll get that done for you before I leave. And then doesn't get it done for her. And I understand. And like she like, asked not- and asked and asked and asked and asked. Exactly. And so, uh, again, we have this, these dominoes of these little things that you don't think matter that much that actually matter a great deal. Huge. Um, so yes, yeah, so Donna takes uh, Tad out into get the car fixed and, uh, car dies uh and like just it lurches like, there yeah just about to get out of the car and like Cujo's there like and and they do so many of these great jump scares right in this movie of just like Cujo's in frame all of a sudden and he's already like this bloody frothy snotty pussy horrible mess of the and these you know this poor dog where you can see the eyes are kind of muddy it doesn't really understand what's going on and yeah just, it looks cloudy it's like you know when the doggies get old and like they get the little cataracts and stuff and just you just feel them because you can see they can't see quite well anymore he already has all this look and he looks mangy mm-hmm. oh yeah. Uh, and t- Tad starts, of course, freaking out and starts screaming, the monster is out of my closet because this is the monster that he'd been seeing in his closet. Um, and his dad, before he left, had written him this, uh, the monster words. The monster words. These, yeah. The monster uh, words for Tad is the whole little title. And it's the sweetest little thing. And like little monsters go away. They don't belong here. And you're in. So yeah, it's very, very sweet. So that's all he has like to like shield off the monster. At least he brought it with him though. That's some, some like, I don't know. I, I thought that that was really sweet that he had that with him though too. And he had folded it up and put it in his little pocket to save it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause his dad would go around with the flashlight and do that in the closet in the bedroom to like send them away before he would go to bed. So he has these with him in the car as they're hanging out in the morning though. And the sunshiny morning, Yes. Yeah, so they, um, they're able to get rid of Cujo by honking the horn, um, and the loud noises. One of the symptoms of hydrophobia is fear of loud noises makes him go away. So he's good for a second. And of course, Tad's like, let's go home, let's go home, let's go home. And she's like, no, no, we can't like the car. We have to let the engine like die down and like cool down and then we can try again. So it's this thing of you're trapped and you can't get out of the car and uh there's this horrible monster outside and also it's hot as fuck and you can't roll the windows down because the monster, monster will outside. hop through the window so eventually she has to crack the window but they have one little thermos of water you know in the back hanging out and that's all they got and they you know so i know they're already hungry they dehydrate very quickly you can see them just sweating and sweating in this hot car so this is like rule number one of summer like you're not supposed to leave kids in the car right in the summer because it's like and like 
Huh? And how much the temperature can multiply is like, you know, if it's 90 degrees outside, it can be a hundred, hundred plus something in the car. Exactly. Um, can I just point out how much I absolutely love that most of this book and this film are two characters in a car and how brave that is as a writer to do that? Because it's just two people in a car, but there's so much tension because you can't leave it. And you know that you're like, how do you get out of the situation? Well, I think it's also great because they built, I mean, the, the, the before all the stuff building up to this moment, you know, like you said, perfectly dominoes. It's like, it's one of those things where you don't realize the effect of your one small decision not to have handle something or not do something, how that can truly affect so many lives. I think a lot of accidents and disasters kind of happen that way. It's like how many people checked off, you know, on those Boeings, you know, and things like that when like there was different problems with airplanes. It's like one person decides not to do a thing and it can have ripple effects to thousands, you know, hundreds and thousands of potentially of lives. Mm -hmm. Um, it's crazy. Uh, so there, uh, they try the car again and it's just now it's really, really dead. Not going to do anything. Can't even honk the horn, like nothing. Yeah. It's so super just dead. trapped in this like metal Hulk. <laughs> and I love her just yelling, you know, at the husband, even though he's not there, like, fuck you. Like, why didn't you get this car fixed? Like, fuck you to the dog. Like everything that's, you know, that she can try to get her anger and frustration out as she tries to think of a way to solve this problem. And the, the hard thing though, is their brains are getting foggier as they're more dehydrated and hungry. And then the day turns into night and they're still stuck in there. Um, and of course, as the day gets a little longer and the tooth, the longer, 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 Tad needs to pee, which is like conundrum. I was waiting for that. I was like, what do they do when they have to go to the bathroom? <laughs> like what's going to happen? Oh no. I was like, well, mom probably would just piss in the chair. Cause I would just do it and just leave it in the car. You know what I mean though? But, um, what do you do after that? But mom has to figure out a way to get him to pee. So they just kind of have to like open the door just a little bit to let him out. And like, of course, as soon as they do, you know, right as he's finishing, Cujo is there, of course. Um, and then the phone starts to ring. And again, the loud noises is something that's freaking him out. And like, so Cujo just starts to freak out and go for it. And they, so she's, they don't really, you haven't gotten the sense of, of Cujo's great power yet and so you see him crash through a fucking window to get through the phone and then donna's like oh shit like she thought she was real she thought she was safe because she's encased in glass and now she just saw him break through a fucking window so she's like oh not safe at all all an illusion he can break these windows for sure um and Vic tries to call home now too. And, um, as he's out on his business trip and he tries a few times to call the house and he's getting no answer because Donna and Tad are not home. Um, and he, uh, kind of just talks it up like, Oh, she's just not there, whatever. And the way he moves compared to how they're moving, the juxtaposition of his slow meandering through his day or whatever's going on, the lack of tension for him really heightens what she is in the middle of and the tenseness of even though they are literally sitting still in a car. Yeah. They have more emotion about them just from their fear and their sweat and their breathing compared to uh, Vic anywhere else in the world. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's a, an amazing back and forth. Uh, and so um, they realize uh, the mailman's going to come right? Like the mail, like all this is, you know, all you have to do is wait for the mailman because they've been here for like fucking days. And like once the mailman comes, they'll be fine. But 
Joe, before he was going to go on his honky tonk trip, put a mail stop order in so the mailman is not going to come. So you, yeah. I, I love that you have the like, oh, they're going to be saved. Totally not going to be saved. Yeah. And they give you that, they gave us as an audience a glimmer of hope for a second because we're like, oh, there's the mailbox. And you know, the mailman's like super cheery and reliable, that Harry, the mailman or whatever, the guy that he gave the tip earlier to go out to Joe's. And this is also the moment too when Donna, she eyes the baseball bat outside. So yes. she's like, ooh, okay, a weapon. She's literally, literally getting into her final girl, like, okay, how the hell, how the hell, how the hell, what is, what's in my environment? What can I use? Eyes of the baseball bat then eyes the mailbox and then tries the engine one more time. So she's literally, you're like seeing her line up everything, getting ready to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Because she's realizing like, this is you're coming. You don't have many other choices, but the kind of sad thing is, is like, these are things she should have done immediately, you know, because this is when she would have been fresh. She would have been hydrated. She would have had energy. And now that you have her a day later or two days later, she's got nearly nothing. And so it's, things are coming together, but in a very kind of foggy, far away kind of way. It's really sad, but I think she really just thought someone would show up, you know, at the beginning. And of course you would think someone's just going to show up. I probably wouldn't be final girling right away. Like I'm going to get a baseball bat and beat that dog. Like I'd be like, someone come get this dog. That is terrifying. You know what I mean? Like, it's like who, who has the hindsight to know you're going to be trapped in your damn car for three days like that. It's like, you know, uh, you don't plan on getting trapped in your car. I think most people don't get an emergency kit. This is a good movie. To, I was like, I need to get an emergency kit for the car. Uh, just between fires and earthquakes, you just never know out here in California too, what's going to happen. So this is a good keep reminder. Some, Cujo. Keep some water in the car. Keep a good gallon of water, you know, just ready yeah. to go just in case. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, you know, Joe, Joe, the Kamer family are the family that like are never leave to go anywhere. So of course you would think that they're coming home at some point. Um, phone starts to ring again and just Cujo goes bananas and starts bashing in the door uh almost smashes the window in and ends up biting off the door handle so now they're kind of stuck inside the car really stuck because the door handles are broken yeah door handles are broken so he's literally just trapping them in this box where he's just like he's just cooking them it's like he's cooking a little easy bake oven dinner by the sun um and there's kids screaming you can't stop little tad um, mom is trying to get him to stop while this whole attack is going on because she knows loud noises really bother Cujo. Um, and the phone keeps ringing and then the kids keep street screaming and between them both, it's just really setting them off. And eventually, um, Tad, uh, passes out in the back of that hot car. Um, and yeah. it's not good. So- and, uh, he ends up yeah having a seizure, which is no, I can't imagine like just so terrible, the worst. Um, and ends up, uh, so finally Donald's like, okay, I'm going to try to get out. I'm going to try to get to this, this baseball bat. She's got to save her like, baby. She's like, and I was like, I wrote my heart can't take it. This is when I was just like ah, freaking out. Cause it's like, this mom is like, what I, what can I do to save my child? Like anything I can do to save him right now. So yes, she gets inches out. And of course, in another great jump scare, Kujo is right fucking there and just under the car too. (laughs) Jumps on top of her and uh, bites her thigh so bad, and so now she and and her arm a little. Yes, and and of course, all the all the while, Tad is watching his mother be attacked, so he's screaming, and it's just this whole you know, it's this entirety is all happening in this entire the tiny little Pinto, this tiny little car, and he's like, I want to go home, I want to go home, I want to go home. She's like, Yes, we all, of course, we do, and then we cut to Vic, think like waking up in the middle of the night, being like, I look like he dreamed it, and I was like, Oh God, dude, wake up and like go check on your family, yeah. 
So uh, Vic d- says he, he he has to go home. Like they, ha- they haven't been answering the phone. Something's wrong. And um, so just leaves his business partner uh, to deal with it. Can I uh, just mention here, they leave this that story point here in the movie. They actually finish it in the book where they're able to come up with a plan to have the professor come back on the air and give them the like, we fucked up speech and like, we're really sorry, but- I do an apology. Know. Okay. Yes. So that's the idea of like, they actually finally come up with how they're going to save the company. And so like that part is okay. Okay. In the book, we don't get that. Or in the movie, we don't get that. Uh, but Steve, our, our friend uh, that that Dawn is having an affair with, decides to come over to look for her. Um, and, you know, when they, they had had a, a scene earlier in the film where Steve was getting a little rough with her, and, and Actually, she wanted to leave him. She's like, Hey, we need it. We can't do this anymore. I, I have a great kid and a great husband and I can't keep fucking it up with this random like towny guy. Like she's like, I can't do it. Um, and so he didn't really take too well to that or too kindly to that and does try to rough her up. And then when he comes over to her place, he comes over trying to, I think, reignite things again or just try to get, keep it going. And she's not there. So he decides to tear her house the motherfucker up. He like gets all the pillows and like it's like feathers everywhere and basically just vandalizes their whole house and property um, while she's while they're away. So perfect. On top of you coming back home potentially to like whatever, uh, if you survive this dog, she could come home to the worst. <laughs> yes. Uh- in the book as well, he uh, he also jerks off all over their bed, which is a, a nice added touch. I feel like that was implied by like how he left it in the in the in the. Do you movie. think so? Okay. Yeah. So grab that knife and like ripped up her picture, just like the way he like desecrated their 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 bed. I was yeah. like, oh okay. Uh, so Fit comes home and he thinks that Steve has kidnapped them, and so he immediately calls uh, Sheriff Bannerman, uh, who was also the hero in Dead Zone. Uh, yeah. So Sheriff. So he's there. And so he's like, okay, well, where could they be? And he said, well, the, you know, the weird thing about it is if she left, because then where is her car? Yeah. Like that's, so if they've like left you, where's the car? If they've kidnapped Steve, where's the car? Like they should be there. But it's not near him at all. And then, um, so they had sent one of the other sheriffs goes up to Joe's place and like, he doesn't call back. Uh, it's the sheriff Bannerman who goes up to, to, to the place to look. And so this is again, another incredible setup for Stephen King. It's so good. Cause you're like, Oh, the fucking sheriff's here. Great. They're saved. This is wonderful. But I was like horror movies for a guy tip number one, 101 and 25 or whatever. Uh, (laughs) the police are generally useless in almost any horror movie. I mean, like, Sometimes except, in like you, except in Stephen King books, because Sheriff yeah. Bannerman is actually really adept and like really is like the cool sheriff in the Dead Zone. So like it's not like he's like the duper dupe deputy. Like he's a no, and he doesn't. He doesn't seem dupey. He just isn't prepared for the situation he is driving up into. He walked in there too laxadaisically. Like he was like coming up to like oh like let's see if we can find him. Okay, well maybe there's a car here and like. He did not assess or look at the situation like survey because Cujo is like laying in wait and is ready to pounce as soon as the sheriff gets up there. Um, And I thought, oh, no. And then I was like, oh, no, he's actually not too slow. He actually did a pretty good job kind of like running around once he like got his wits about him and was running away from him and does a good run. And I thought he did a really good job like climbing up the thing and trying to get out of the way. And I wrote in my notes, I climbs better than I thought he would. And then I said, he gets <laughs> knocked down, but not up again. <laughs> yes, that is very true. So uh, RIP Sheriff Bannerman attacked by Cujo. In the barn by a Cujo. Uh, and uh, so they t- 
Tad uh, is just now in this state of just like, I want my daddy is pretty much all he's got and um, has another seizure. So Donna's like, okay, this is it. This is like, I have to do it now or I'm never, if I'm going to die, we're going to die either way. So we better like die trying. Yep. So uh, she gets, makes a run for it and grabs that baseball bat and just Cujo smashes the shit out of him. Yeah. Just terrible. And then she ends up left with a short part of the baseball bat too, because it's a real battle. Like I was like, Ooh, she got a short stick now too. Um, sh- the car window gets shattered on the back where like Tad, um, you know, she, where she actually has to pull him out of the back of the car. I mean, the full back window, if you've seen these old Pintos, it's just the really big wide window in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, gets completely shattered, brings him to the kitchen table of the house, tries to do a kitchen table revival, giving a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation because the kid has already passed out after the last seizure. seizure. Cornflakes product placement during that moment, too. Really, really great. <laughs> Which is uh, weird because it's about sharp cereals, right? The whole movie is about uh-huh, this like, fake company. But it's family. how bad the cereal is. And so it's like, what's the uh, alternative to that shitty, like uh, sugary red-dyed cereal? Cornflakes. Mm-hmm. They're good for you. Pure. Nope, People out nope. here in the country eat them. Nope, uh, no problem. <laughs> nothing wrong here. Nothing to see here. No problem here. Uh, nothing wrong here. Um, so we we have we have Cujo who is impaled on like the sharp end of a baseball bat. Finally, is his big death. Uh, and Vic uh, at the at the last moment is there at the rescue. He's figured out what's going on. He realizes they must be at Camber's place uh, and is there. Uh, and Tad uh, after mouth to mouth, Tad most miraculously uh, alive. Um, but Cujo is back. You got to shoot him now. It's the only way. All, so all we, got, we got we got shooting. We got we got we got stabbing. We got Tad uh, miraculously alive. We got Vic to the rescue. All is well, except in the book, Tad totally dies. I wondered about that because it looked like he was dead, and I was like, "Ooh, yeah. Yeah, um, it's a harsh brutal. ending." Where she's gone, well, even in the movie all where they. Go ahead, sorry. Just it's just so such a brutal ending. It's just that like you, he, she goes through all of this and she dies anyway. Um, and it's interesting that this every every Stephen King film we're going to watch in this round changes the ending. <laughs> every single one. <laughs> I think because people don't like his endings, I think he's like he knows that it's like notorious. Like <laughs> the stories are so fun, but the endings are not always as satisfying as what the audience thinks they want versus what they're getting. You know. Um, but this is actually a joke. (laughs) It is. And and sometimes I agree with the changes. Sometimes I don't, uh, Uh this one I I agree with. I think Tad should live. I think having that little kid die is just too, too fucking brutal. It's too much. And also, yeah, I don't think it would have been as iconic if Tad didn't survive, even though, I mean, he's hanging on by a thread. So his like life after is very dubious because this kid is going to be scarred no matter what. Not um, only like emotionally, but also possibly brain damage from right, like having seizures. We don't know what happened. Um, so yeah, Cujo's not fucking around. This movie gives all. you gives you gore, gives you we got body count, we got all sorts of nastiness um, and fantastic performances. Especially shout out, of course, D. Wellstone and Danny Pantower, who both are incredible. Blood, sweat, and, and tears both. from these two completely. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's just them in a car. So yep. it's really, really amazing. 
Um, do you want to do some Gore Factor yes, for us? Yes, I would freaking love to do some Gore Factor for Cujo. Um, gore, one, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, a puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, bathtub of blood. Five, run for the barf bag. We give Cujo a full five, y'all. Uh, we got throats being ripped out. We got scary, creepy dog doing some crazy things and lots of deaths, horrible deaths. Uh, bloody so, deaths. Bloody bloodies. All right, so for movie ratings, we have zero to five chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. And five, fantastical. I give Cujo a five. Fantastical. <laughs> I also give Cujo a five. Holy oh, crap. Five. What? <laughs> we got some That's good crazy. movies lately, Jules. Uh, this one. I know. I was just, I don't know. I didn't know if I, didn't know if I was going to like it just because it's like such shorthand. And I was like, oh, it's kind of iconic. But I, now I see why the film was iconic. Um, and it really does hold up. It's one of those films that I was like, wow, this is 1983, but this still is terrifying. This, um, could still happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's everything about it still felt really relevant. Um, and, and the, the performances are really good. Just really top notch. Incredible. And I think this is one of you, you, cause they take kind of that serial killer possession element out, right? So, which was the kind of supernatural element in the book. And so you just have it where it's, there's nothing supernatural about it. It's just a dog, you know, this could really happen. It's all very mundane settings, nothing kind of outlandish about it. It's just very kind of low key horror. It's everyday but, terror. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, great. Is there anything that man can't do? I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. So well done. Um, so, and I just uh, still want to give a shout out to the little baby Danny Pintaro. What yeah. uh, an act, little actor. His performance. I just was like, how did they get this baby to do these scenes? Oh, so good. So yeah, screaming and terrified and uh, selling it hardcore. Um, so next week, uh, our next Stephen King film uh, is Cell. So this movie uh, came out in 2016. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson and John Cusack. I'd never heard of it. Me neither. I didn't. I didn't know they did a film adaptation. I was like, oh, really? Okay. I was like, well, when did that? Up. Did that go straight to video? Like, who, what? What happened? I don't did know. This how it released? We- what happened in 2016? I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> i know 2020 has been 15 years long uh, 84 years in this zoom room um thanks guys so much for listening with us we really hope you enjoyed uh getting into cujo and uh, if you haven't seen it and you've listened to this please watch it uh it's it's high recommend from us um and i think you will not be disappointed it's something that really holds up even knowing all this stuff about it it's it's still a great ride to watch um uh, join us on the internet facebook instagram Twitter, patreon.com uh, slash horror movie survival guide. You can hang out with us and get uh, episodes early and uh, a couple things of bonus content every month. And we have some more interviews and fun stuff coming up really soon for you guys. We're super pumped to share with you. Uh, we love you. Uh, we'll see you Thank next you. week for Cell from 2016. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see you then. All hail the king. <laughs>